Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we are going to review Kentucky's 16-10 win over South Carolina, down in South Carolina, at South Carolina, at Williams-Brice Stadium on Saturday night. UK improved to 4-0 in the season and 2-0 in the SEC. UK welcomes Florida into Kroger Field next Saturday. And to talk about the South Carolina win and to look ahead to the Gators, I talk with my friend, colleague, and Harold leader sports columnist Mark Story and we're not going to waste any time we're just going to get right to it with Mark Story of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay my guest now on the podcast is my colleague and fellow Herald Leader sports columnist Mark Story. How's it going Mark? Good John. Uh, Kentucky improves to 4-0 overall and 2-0 in the SEC with their win last night over South Carolina. Uh What's your, what's your big takeaway from uh, Kentucky? The first road game of the season. Uh, what was your takeaway from the win last night? Well, I thought it was you know one of the more impressive Kentucky defensive performances. You know, I, I you know I recall in watching Kentucky, and I'll stipulate up front. I don't think South Carolina is especially good offensively. They're struggling in the offensive line. I'm not. You know, I'm. I think the jury is very much out on Luke Doty, but all that said, the Kentucky offense kept turning the ball over and giving South Carolina short fields, and the Kentucky defense kept going out there and stopping them, and you know, I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, well, the, the turnover is obviously a big deal. Kentucky's now 129th out of 130 FBS teams in turnover margin. They're in minus nine through the four games, yet they're 4-0. and how, how are they doing that? that the, the two do not seem to correlate. Well, you know, in a weird way, can, you know, people always say turnovers even out. And in a weird way, that's happening for Kentucky. Right. <laughs> because UK was plus 10 last year, but went 5 and 6. This year, they're minus 9 and they're 4 and 0. Right. <laughs> you know, that, that goes against everything you would think you know about football. You know, I think there's a couple of things. I think to some extent, you know, if you're a glass half full kind of person you say you give them credit that the culture has changed in such a way that even you know when they have adversity he, and even when they have self-inflicted adversity of which they've had a lot so far they you know they don't just surrender they go out and make you know make plays and find ways to win games you know the one thing that i think is kind of troubling is you know every week you know we hear well we've got to get this fixed and then every week it's not fixed right right <laughs> So how do you fix it? I mean, the guys, I mean, Chris Rodriguez put it on the ground twice last night. They were lucky. I think Eli Cox recovered one of them, uh, his own offensive guard, and he recovered the other. Josh Ali fumbled on back-to-back uh, possessions. Uh, Levis threw an in, Will Levis threw an interception uh, in the first half where he was going for a deep shot and didn't connect and the ball was intercepted. Uh, how do you, I mean, how do you, how do you correct that? Well, I think you just have to keep working on it. You know, I have the old school coaching thing, and which obviously there are a lot of adherents to on Twitter is when you know people <laughs> are putting the ball on the ground as you get them out. But I don't know that you can really do that when it's your best players putting the ball on the ground. And that's what it's been what was for Kentucky last night. It was their best running back and their best returning wide receiver. Right. You know, and, you know, I think Liam Cohen, what little we've seen of him is kind of a positive coach and tries to, you know, you know, he went back, you know, all he fumbled on that jet sweep and they went back to the play that right. play on the next series. You know, it was somewhat like, you know, when Isaiah Cummings had the ball 
you know, go off his hand and it was tipped for an interception and they came back to him and ran the same play. You know, I like that kind of coaching to some extent, you know, it's incumbent on the players to stop making the coaches look bad. Right. You know, they're, they're, you know, they've, they've shown faith in their guys and, you know, the guys need to reward that faith by, you know, holding on to the ball. Yeah. The, the Twitter, the Twitter coaches, the old school coaches, you say, okay, I got fumbles, put him on the bench. If he can't, you know, if he can't hold on the ball, put him on the bench. Uh, well, then you wouldn't have had Chris Rodriguez here at the end of the game when they were grinding out yards to put the game away. Uh, Mark Stoops said after the game, you know, he, we want, I wanted Chris in there. He's their best back. He's a guy if you want to carry the ball when it's third and short yardage. So, you know, do you, you – do you shoot yourself in the foot by not having your best guy out there just because he he fumbled early in the game? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, I, I understand the frustration, and there are coaches who certainly believe that. There have been coaches at Kentucky, you know. I think Eddie Grand was not very uh, right. That's forgiving of, of fumbling. Uh, right. of, of fumbling. But, yeah, I mean, if you bench Chris Rodriguez because he's fumbling, you know, or – are you really helping your team? I mean, I guess you're sending a message, but if you remove your best, your best back, arguably, you know, your best or one of your two best offensive players, you know, I'm not sure, you know, that's really helping the team. Right. And I think you just have to, you know, try to, I think it's, you walk a fine line. You obviously want guys to be aware of this and to make it a priority, but you also don't want to make it, it's such a psychological thing that they're so worried about it that, you know, they're not just cutting loose and playing. So, right. you know, it's a, uh, it, it, I think it's, I mean, it, it's very frustrating and you know, <laughs> if they would cut out the fumbling. I think they have a good team, Yeah, but yeah. you know, they've, 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 they've done a lot to prevent themselves from showing it, right. but to their credit, <laughs> they have continued to find ways to win. Right, and one of those ways, as you pointed out, was the way the defense played on those two fumbles by Ali. Kentucky stops out in, in the fourth in the fourth quarter. Had two fourth down stops. Had three for the game. South Carolina was over three on fourth down. Had two there on back to back series in the fourth quarter, where guys uh, on on the defense really uh, you know met the moment, rose to the occasion uh, in clutch situations. And as you said, I mean a disclaimer: South Carolina's you know they're not any world beaters on offense, but. Still Still, you're playing on the road in a pack uh, against a team with a packed stadium behind them, and you were able to come up and make the plays. That had, you know, those were big moments in the game and big for this defense. Yeah, they were, and the defense. You know, I, I think there'd been my sense of it had been is that people had been a little disappointed with the defense, especially coming out of the Missouri game. But I think you do have to give them credit. You know, they have made stops. You know, when they've been in tight situations and close games, including one game, Chattanooga, that nobody ever dreamed was going to be close. Right. You know, the defense has stepped up and made plays with the game on the line. And they, they did that over and over against South Carolina. But they'd also, you know, they had the big pick six, you know, Tyrell Asian that, you know, clinched, cinched that Chattanooga win. And, and they made the stop when it had to ha- happen against Missouri in a game which when they were having a real hard time slowing down the other team, they did stop them at the end. Right. Big game last night from DeAndre Square. I think he led him in tackles with eight. He made a back-to-back stops with the help of Mark Juan McCall on a key fourth, third and fourth down in the uh, in the first half. Uh, you can tell he's really, he, you know, he's becoming the leader of this defense. Mark Stoops talked about his steady play, uh, but he had some really big stops last night. 
He did. And, you know, I thought, you know, it's not reflected in the statistics and, you know, it's usually not going to be with a nose guard. But to my highly untrained eye, I thought <laughs> McCall looked really active mm-hmm. in the middle of the line. I thought you know, he, his penetration, they were having a hard time blocking him. And I think, you know, that freed up the linebackers to make some plays. The other guy who came up big, and it had to be an incredibly sweet moment for him, was Jalen Geiger, who is from Columbia, South Carolina, and had several Power Five scholarship offers, not one of them, but one of them was not South Carolina. So, you know, he made two big plays in that game, and that, that had to be pretty sweet for a guy from Columbia. Yeah, he made a couple of really nice open field tackles where if he doesn't make the tackle, uh, could have gone for big gains. Uh, yeah, I thought their tackling was good, was good last night. Uh, yeah, overall, yeah. And they need, you know, they need all the, uh, it's an overstatement to say they need all the help they can get in the secondary. I think the secondary has been fine, but they're a little thin back there. So anybody who can step up and make plays in the secondary, secondary that surely helps out. Part of the reason they're thin goes back to what happened in that fraternity incident. You've still got six players sitting out because of that, because uh, they're still you know, being charged uh, with burglary and so forth. And three of those guys are guys who would play in the secondary. So I know for the coaching staff, it had to be very encouraging to see Geiger step up and make plays. Yeah, the fraternity fight certainly thinned out the defensive backfield depth and, you know, cornerback especially. And right. Geiger is more of a safety, but you're right. You know, they, you know, they need, you know, any, any, new guys sort of showing up that they can trust in the secondary that gives them some additional flexibility is, is feeling, filling a very big need. Uh, back to the offense for a minute. Uh, how do you think Levis played overall? Well, I, I didn't <laughs> think it was his best game, but you know, I was always far more tolerant or far more, I guess, enthusiastic about Terry Wilson than a lot of the fans because he kept winning games. Right. You know, Levis is four and zero. Uh-huh. You know, to me, you know, it seems like, you know, teams, you know, very quickly decided they were going to take away his long ball and force him to go underneath. And, you know, I think the jury is pretty much out on whether he can, can you know, consistently be accurate and have, you know, the proper touch on those kind of throws. But, you know, I thought he made some important runs, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to get, you know, needed yardage. You know, I thought, you know, given everything that they were going through, I, you know, I thought his leadership, at least from the TV, it looked to me like, you know, he was doing a good job running the team. You know, I, you know, he probably you know, in terms of his passing, it was, you know, I would say it was probably his fourth best game of the four. But, you know. Don't, as as um, Herm Edwards said, you know, you play to win the game. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, there were a lot of rumors swirling around before the game that Wandale Robinson was having hamstring issues, that he might not even play. Uh, Robinson's father uh, kind of put that to bed, saying, oh, yeah, he definitely would play. They sort of alluded to it, to it after the game when uh, – I think it was Levis who said, you know, he gets the ball a lot. He's gonna, you know, he's he's he, you know, he's gonna get beat up from time to time. But you know, dealing with it. But uh, you know, he didn't have a hundred yard game, but he he made some big plays last night. Yeah, he did. He had an impact on the game. He's really good. You know, I see a lot of discussion about how much they target him. Like, you know, I'm not so sure they shouldn't be targeting <laughs> targeting him more. <laughs> I think he's really good, and I think he gives them a dimension they don't have. And, you know, I came into this year expecting him to be really, really good because I had a high opinion of him from high school. And he's actually probably been better, especially as a downfield receiver than I expected. So, 
yeah, I mean, other than you know, rather than worrying about you know how many times they're targeting him, I would like to see them figure out a way to get him the ball a little more. So, and I think you wrote about this early on. Your your favorite coach, Bobby Petrino, that's his was his philosophy, right? That's correct. <laughs> FTS, feed the studs. <laughs> He's definitely a stud. And another stud who I don't, we probably don't pay enough attention to or give enough praise to is Matt Ruffalo. Uh, I know two of the kicks last night were chip shot kicks. He kicked three field goals. Uh, but we've seen Kentucky kickers in the past miss chip shot kicks. And, uh, you know, he was three for three last night. He's been, he'd been very accurate. Uh, we probably don't give him as much uh, praise and attention as he probably deserves. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, you know, I think some of that goes back to that Ole Miss game last year when obviously the place kicking you know, right. arguably cost Kentucky the game. Since then, he's been really good, really good. And, you know, you know Mark Stoops said the, the Missouri field goal that got blocked was not his fault, that they had a block, they blew an assignment in blocking and the guy got right on top of the kicker. And, you know, last night those were short field goals, but a couple of those were at pretty – pretty severe angles yeah they were those aren't necessarily easy kicks under pressure right so yeah you know he has been he's been really you know really good since the Ole Miss since the Ole Miss situation yeah those angles uh uh, Josh Moore uh went to Columbia and covered the game in Columbia Uh, I was here as Mark was back in Lexington watching it on TV and my wife was watching it with me and she's not a fish football aficionado she watches it but that's about it but anyway well one of those field goals the angle what she goes why don't they just put it in the middle of the field so he can kick it in the middle of the field (laughs) well that's not the way it works (laughs) I'm sure maybe he wishes they put it in the middle of the field but that's not the way it works <laughs> on that but uh, anyway okay back to the uh, hate to bring up the turnovers again but i think it's fairly uh i think i'm safe to say they can't continue to turn the ball over like they're doing and have much of a chance against uh they got florida coming in on saturday after that you got lsu george lsu and then it trips to georgia mississippi state they can't continue to make those same mistakes and have much chance against florida do that can they one would think not, although the Gators haven't been any great shakes in the ball security either. They're minus three, yeah. and, and Emory Jones has matched Will Levis interception for interception. But, yeah, you would think you know the competition is, is better you know, going forward. You've got number 11 Florida, you know, LSU, who always has top 25 talent, if not always top 25 performance, and then number two, Georgia, and then, you know, you're at Mississippi State, which has been a very difficult venue in the Mark Stoops era. So, yeah, you would think, you know, that you would think the margin of error for Kentucky to turn the ball over multiple times in the game and still pull them out, you think that's over for a while. So, you know, Again, you can look at that two ways. If you're a pessimist, you just, you know, this team's played four games. They've turned it over every game. It's just who they are. If you're an optimist, you think, okay, they've got it out of their system. They're due some clean games, you know, at a time when clean games are going to be required, you would think. Yeah. No. Yeah. If you believe that they've evened out over a season, not over two seasons since last year and this year, you'd think some of those will start bouncing Kentucky's way. I mean, uh, that's a thing, too. I mean, we're talking about the offense turning over, but the defense only has two takeaways to so far. They haven't re- recovered a fumble and they only have the two interceptions. I think to have a chance against uh, Florida on Saturday and the teams after that, they're going to have to come up with some turnovers. Yeah. You obviously, when you're playing a team, as you know, you're playing good teams. It's very much to your advantage if you end up with more possessions 
com- you right. you end up completing more possessions than they do. You know that's you know, that's partly how Chattanooga stayed in the game with Kentucky was that Kentucky was turning it over and not completing possessions. You know, you, you would it would be nice from the UK point of view if Kentucky could do that in some of these upcoming games in the next month. Right. Before the season, we looked at this as this, you know, kind of you divide the season into thirds, play four games uh, starting out, three of those at home, uh, a road game in South Carolina, which is in a kind of a rebuilding project right now. So you thought they had a good chance of winning those four. They've won those four. Now you're coming into the stretch that we thought before the season was going to be the toughest stretch of the season. Has anything happened to this point to make us change our mind about these next four games? I don't think so. I mean, I think we could go through them individually and we may, you know, I think Florida has been a little better than I expected. Just, you know, I, I thought even Florida, if you lose Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony, you know, I, I felt they would feel that, but you know, they've been really good offensively. They've, they've done it in a different way. They've been running it and they've been kind of a running juggernaut, yeah. especially from the quarterback position yeah. as opposed to throwing it. But they've, they've probably been a little better than I thought they would be. Georgia, you know, well, LSU, I'm not sure what to think. They were bad in that UCLA game. Maybe some of that's UCLA is pretty good. I do feel like they're getting better. Yeah. Um, you know, Georgia is, you know, the game I would have said before the year that I didn't think Kentucky could win. And I, obviously, Georgia, the way they've played, there's no reason to change that. Although I will point out way back in 2007, I remember confidently saying before that season, the only game Kentucky had no chance in was against LSU. And that was a game Kentucky then went on and won. So there is a reason you play the games. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I watched LSU Mississippi State yesterday. I think LSU starting to put some things together. The the score was kind of deceiving in, the, in that game. I think it ended up twenty eight twenty five. LSU was up twenty eight to ten. I'm not very impressed with Mississippi State, but as you mentioned, Kentucky's had a hard time in Starkville uh, under Mark Stoops. So, and that game is you know there's a lot could happen between now and when they play that game on October thirtieth. Back to Florida, you do the first look about the Gators when you were digging into the. Gators, anything surprise you? Well, just, you know, that they have maintained their prowess offensively, but done it in a different way. Different way. You know, the it's interesting. You know, Emory Jones played really well yesterday yeah. against Tennessee, probably his best game. But the, the you know, obviously but the, a lot of the fans have been calling for Anthony Richardson, the backup, who I don't I don't think played yesterday. And he didn't play against Alabama with I think he I think he has a, a hamstring injury. Yeah, I think so. It's just kind of funny to reflect on the Kentucky Florida series though. You know, Florida's won sixteen in a row here in Lexington, but the last three have been super close. A five point game, a one point game, and an eight point game that is a misleading score was much closer. And in the latter two, it was the backup, you know, Florida turned to backup quarterbacks who came in and led huge rallies. So it's just kind of interesting that, you know, they come up here with at least, or at least until maybe yesterday, they'd had sort of a quarterback controversy with a lot of their fans wanting the backup to play. Yeah. Another interesting thing, uh, looking at the stats today, rankings, Kentucky is ninth in the nation in total defense. Florida is ninth in total offense. So 
but on the opposite side of the ball, one thing that kind of intrigues me about this matchup, Todd Grantham, the Florida defensive coordinator, has been around for a long time. Uh, Kentucky face, has faced him at Louisville, faced him at Georgia, faced him at Florida. Mark Stoops knows him well. Uh, well, he has a tendency to give up the big play because he takes a lot of he takes a lot of chances. He loves to blitz. He wants to make the big play on defense. You got Liam Cohen, a new offensive coordinator for Kentucky. Uh, you know that's going to be interesting to me. That's going to be an interesting matchup. With you got Cohen, a first year coordinator in the SEC. You know you've got a quarterback with a strong arm who and and Liam has shown to this point he's not afraid to go for the kill shot to try not. You know, he's not afraid to try and go for the big play where Grantham kind of has a history of giving up big plays. I think that's going to be an interesting matchup from a scheme and a coaching perspective. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And you, know, you go back to the, the 2016 game when Grantham was running the defense at Louisville and, and Steven Johnson hit them for three long touchdown passes. You know, you would hope from the Kentucky perspective that that opportunity is available to Levis. And one thing, you know, I think, I think it would probably be better for Kentucky if you know Levis had played a little better, you know, coming into this game. You know, his right. his performance arc has been you know down a little bit, but I do think you're right that you know Grantham does have some history of being vulnerable to to the deep ball, and that is something that you know Levis throws very well. So it'll be interesting to see if you know in the chess match if Cohen can outguess Grantham and, and hit him and hit him for a couple. Yeah, yeah, it will be. Uh, well, it should be a fun matchup on uh, on Saturday uh, at Kroger Field. Uh, we will have plenty of coverage throughout the week, starting on Monday, of course, with Mark Stoops' uh, weekly press conference, uh, and then of course Mark will, Mark Story will have his matchups and his game prediction, as well as columns. And Josh Moore will have plenty of coverage as well, leading up to the game. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C Story. And Mark, how do you feel? We're winding up baseball here. We're winding up. Major League Baseball, how do you feel like your Dodgers are heading into the playoffs here as we're, what, what, well, less than 10 games, right? Everybody's got about that 10 games left. Well, we got a week and a half, two weeks left in the regular season. Well, this is going to sound entitled as a fan of a team that may win 100 games. I just don't think they've played very well this year. I mean, they've had a ton of injuries, and they, I don't know, they're just, there's a spark or a, a certain magic that, just just doesn't seem to be there now obviously if you know you flip the switch in the playoffs and you know make a run all that goes away but you know it's been an unsatisfying really really good record (laughs) (laughs) it's been an unsatisfying 100 win season is that what you're saying well they're not they're quite there yet but it's but i mean i i said this was going to sound like an entitled comment <laughs> well what about our guy our local guy walker bueller he was rolling along i thought he was going to win the cy young and he's kind of slipped up a year a little bit lately is he back on track or what's the deal with walker no he's had a really bad september you know it's interesting his history is he starts slow and then is really good you know at the end well they there was a big push to, you know, ramp up a little quicker so you wouldn't have the perennial slow start. And I think there's some question of, you know, whether just the amount of innings thrown and, you know, whether, you know, that's sort of caught up to him. You know, Julio Urias, another of their young starters, has sort of had the same situation. He's had a really good year, 
But he's, his last couple of starts, his fastball velocity has been down a little bit. Yeah. And the, the media that covers the Dodgers, they're just speculating that the amount of innings. And, and you, you know, last year you obviously didn't throw nearly as many innings as you've been required to throw this year. There's just some speculation that that may have caught up to those guys a little bit. Well, I know uh, Reds fans are hopeful for the day when they can have an unsatisfactory 100-win season, but that <laughs> seems way, way down the road. But anyway, uh, more to the point, though, we got Kentucky and Florida on Saturday. Uh, like I said earlier, be sure and look for Mark's coverage all through the week and follow him on Twitter on Mark C. Story. And as always, thanks, Mark, for spending uh, some of your Sunday with us. We appreciate it. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. Thanks, as always, to Mark Story. Follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Read him online on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of Their Old Leader. Uh, and I'll use that opportunity, this opportunity to throw in a plug for the Sports Pass Sports Only Digital subscription, $30 for the first year. You get all of our UK coverage. That includes UK football, UK basketball, UK recruiting. You get columns by Mark and myself. You also get our high school coverage, $30 for the first year. Follow me on Twitter. Twitter at John Clay IV. Go to the top of my Twitter feed. You'll see the pin tweet has all about the Sports Pass subscription. Click on that or go to Kentucky.com and hit on the subscription tab there and check out all the offers for subscriptions to Kentucky.com. Thanks to everybody who supports the podcast. Drop me an email at jclay at herald-leader.com with feedback on the podcast or leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast. We really appreciate that as well. Like I said, plenty of coverage leading up to this week's game between Kentucky and Florida. Be sure and check all of that out on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of Daryl Leader. And we'll be catching you next time on the John Clay Podcast.